Welcome to Family History, Genealogy Made Easy. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. You probably have a lot of curiosity about your family history, but not a lot of time. And that's why I created this podcast. In each episode, I'm going to give you the tools that you need to uncover your family tree in quick and easy ways. In the last episode, we ventured out into the genealogy blogosphere with popular genealogy blogger, the Footnote Maven, who advised us on how to get started blogging. And she gave us some specific tips on everything from preparing blog posts to what she would have done differently if she could have started all over again, and nine tips for getting readers to leave comments. Well, this week, we're going to continue to explore the world of genealogy and family history blogging, which really is a terrific way to share your findings, connect with other researchers and long-lost relatives, and pass on your own genealogy experiences. Just like Footnote Maven says, anyone can blog, because there's something wonderful in all of us, and you just have to determine what that is and showcase it. Well, in this episode, I have two more genealogy bloggers for you who are doing just that, and very successfully. First is Denise Levenick, author of the Family Curator blog and alter ego of Miss Penny Dreadful, who writes on the Footnote Maven's Shades of the Departed blog. Denise will tell us about the origins of her Family Curator blog and why she feels motivated to write it. And I did some research on how to take care of my stuff. And I started to um, sort and then put the thing, the letters in archival boxes, the photographs in archival boxes. And other people needed help too. So that's why I started the blog. And she'll also share some of her top tech tips. You know, I'm, I was a teacher and I was the first person at my school to have a website and uh, to use the computer regularly and I integrated it in my courses with I had a website for my students and um, now I, I feel there's always something new so I thought well every Tuesday I will post what I found that's helpful technology wise to the job of the family curator. Next I have on the show Shelley Talalay Dardashti author of the Tracing the Tribe blog She's going to tell us how she got started blogging and what really got her hooked on it. I think the thing that really hooked me the most was that when you deal with print journalism, if there's a mistake or an error, you can't fix it until the next issue. But online, you just go in and change it, and it's fixed. So that 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 was a great advantage. She'll tell us about her process for posting articles and how much time she spends blogging. Too, too, too much. <laughs> and she'll dispel the myth that you have to be technically inclined to have a blog. I'm, I'm absolutely a non-techie. Anybody that knows me knows, you know, what, what end of the pencil do you put in the pencil sharpener? This episode is, again, your personal genealogy blogging training with some of the best in the biz. And we'll get started right after this. Are you looking for a way to get even more genealogy gems that will power boost your research, inspire your creativity, and give you the motivation that you need to tackle that brick wall? Well, become a Genealogy Gems Premium member. You'll get two extra members-only episodes every month, packed with great information that you can use right away, an instructional video series walking you through the best internet tools step-by-step. 
Our current series is called Google, a goldmine of genealogy gems. And in each episode, you can follow along with me as I show you online how to get the most out of Google. If you enjoy the Genealogy Gems podcast, then you're going to love being a premium member. But don't just take my word for it. Here's what your fellow podcast listeners have to say. This is Melissa Parker in Tennessee. I'm just calling to let you know how much I'm enjoying your Genealogy Podcast Premium Edition. I especially love the handwriting analysis with Paula Sassy. And all the tips and information that you give is just so wonderful. I would encourage anyone to become a member of your Genealogy Gems Podcast Premium. To become a premium member and start reaping the benefits right away, go to genealogygems.tv and click the Join Today button. And by entering the special coupon code SAVE20, that's S-A-V-E-2-0, you will get 20% off the annual membership. Genealogy Gems Premium Membership. It's where you belong. Levenick is a graduate of UC Santa Barbara in Comparative Literature and Medieval Studies. She has an MA from Claremont Graduate School in English with an emphasis in American Literature. And Denise is also a member of Phi Beta Kappa, the National Council Teachers of English, and the American Literature Association, as well as the Southern California Genealogical Society. Denise is a native Californian who has worked as an editor and a journalist since publishing a neighborhood newspaper in grade school, and has taught both journalism and literature in Pasadena schools for 19 years. So it's no wonder that she took right away to blogging. Here's my conversation with her. Well, I'm here at the Southern California Genealogical Jamboree in uh, Burbank, California, and I've met up with somebody that I've seen on Facebook, seen online. She's a blogger, she's a genealogist, and it's Denise Levenick. Welcome to the show, Denise. Well, thank you, Lisa. I'm so happy to be talking with you. Well, I'm thrilled to have you here, and I know that your blog is the, is it the the family curator? Right, right. I I wanted to ask you right off the bat, where did that blog name come from? Okay, that's a good question. I was probably mm, maybe 20 when my grandmother uh, gave, my, I, my mother acquired a trunk belonging to my grandmother. It's like a treasure chest, a giant trunk, you know, like two feet by four feet and three feet high. And it lived in my aunt's little back house. And somehow it came to me and we opened the top and it was packed to the very top, letters, check stubs, ration cards, blue chip stamps, photographs, everything. Just a literal treasure trove, right? (laughs) And I figured, well, okay, everybody gets this stuff, and they all kind of, it's come to me in the last few years. I am the family curator, and there are a lot of people who are in my boat. (laughs) Yeah, and it's it's interesting that you put it in those terms. We think of a curator with a museum, but but really, each of us, those who take on the family history and do some of the research, and you start getting those items sent your direction, you really have an important responsibility, don't we? We do. We do. And when when I started getting all this stuff, I didn't know what to do with it. At first, my aunt gave me a little bit, and she said, here... You can have this, because I was doing a family history class, and I wanted to write a paper. 
and I took a few things and I wrote my paper and then I had to give it back to her and it went back into the trunk and it made me so sad that it was sitting out in a little hot house. Oh, right. And then when it did come to me, it was no longer in the trunk. It was in five cardboard boxes. So the first thing I did was, oh my gosh, this needs to be archivally preserved. And I did some research on how to take care of my stuff. And I started to um, sort and then put the thing, the letters in archival boxes, the photographs in archival boxes. And other people needed help too. So that's why I started the blog. And so in the blog, are you giving ideas on how we archive and preserve things? Or what do you cover on it? Is it daily basis pretty much a daily blog? Well, I'd like to say daily, but <laughs> it, I'm not so good anymore. I've been so busy. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, the idea was to share my, my search for how to preserve my documents. And it evolved into an educational project that I used with my students when I was teaching high school English. And so it's kind of changed as my own emphasis has changed. And I've noticed you have your kind of your technology Tuesdays. Is that what you call the technical? Kind of, you're a fairly tech-savvy person, correct? You're sharing some of that expertise? Well, I used to think I was a little ahead of the curve, but it's kind of overtaken me. <laughs> You know, I'm, I was a teacher, and I was the first person at my school to have a website and uh, to use the computer regularly, and I integrated it in my courses with, I had a website for my students, and um, now I, I feel there's always something new. So I thought, well, every Tuesday I will post what I found that's helpful technology-wise to the job of the family curator, and that's what I'm trying to do. So what are your, some of your favorite areas of technology these days? What's exciting you on the genealogical front? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I'd have to say I'm so excited to have found a little software program called Transcript. Have you ever heard of it? No. Now, this is a software program that you would load on your computer versus right. on a website? Right. You can okay. download it. It's free. Um, you can get a... Um, oh, yes registered version for a very small fee and it's made by a programmer in the Netherlands and it's totally made for people who transcribe documents like genealogists mm -hmm. so when you open the screen instead of like word you get a page in transcript the top you open your image and on the bottom you have a word processing window but it's all in one program and it's set up so that when you are working through your document, transcribing you type, when you hit that enter or return key, the document, the image itself, will scroll down. Oh, wow. And you can tell it how many pixels you want it. So there you go. Wow, you can transcribe so fast. And I'll bet it, it even enlarges it for you so that you're not picking up the magnifying glass, looking over, going, you know, and, you're, and as you move back and forth, you tend to make mistakes. Here you've got it right there in front of you on the screen. Yeah, exactly. And if you need image enhancement, enlargement, it, you can even change the contrast. It's fabulous. Uh, Jacob Borme, I'm probably not doing that right. He's Dutch. But he is great, and the registered version is so reasonable. Everybody needs transcripts. <laughs> oh, that's great. Now, see, it's those kinds of little technical solutions where somebody's taken one particular issue and dealt with it in a really cool way. That's, that's really fun to find, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And sometimes I just send people to another website, like uh, Family Matters, you're probably familiar with. Mm -hmm. 
Um, she has terrific ideas, and I learn a lot from her. Uh, and sometimes I talk about gadgets. Uh, I'm a BlackBerry fan. I'm, I'm not too good with phones. I'm, I'm okay with the computer, but I have trouble with phones. But I love my BlackBerry. Don't give me an iPhone. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was wondering how the BlackBerry was going to hold up when the new iPhones keep coming out. Still popular? I think so. I think it's doing a lot. I have an iTouch, I will admit. Oh, okay. So I can use the um, iPhone apps, and some of them are pretty terrific. I talk about Evernote and Scribefire, just all different things that are useful for bloggers and people who are interested in working with their family history. So when you're not um, blogging and you're not working on your genealogy research, what is Denise doing? Oh, you're cute. Um, let's see, I have two sons, oh, great. and uh, they're both married to fabulous girls, and I'm expecting my first grandson. Oh, I'm expecting a first grandchild, but I don't know yet if it's a boy or a girl. You're I'm very so, excited. It's <laughs> exciting, isn't it? So, in When fact, is yours due? Uh, the middle of September. Oh, well, then you're going to be first. Okay. When's yours? December 14th. Christmas baby. Yes. Oh. Well, I actually I'm leaving the jamboree tomorrow to go to the baby shower. Oh, my daughter right. and the baby. I'm kind of excited. And uh, my son, just the father of this baby, just bought a very uh, historic home in the Hudson River Valley and was built in the 1770s. So I'm looking forward to doing a house history for him. And I imagine that process is very much the same. I remember we lived in a Victorian house many years ago, and um, I remember finding, uh, going to the library, and they had like the unidentified picture file, and I leafed through it for a couple of hours, and there was a photograph of the house from 1910, and they were as thrilled as I was, because now they knew which house it was. Um, but I bet, you know, the, the process of doing that kind of discovery is very much the same as genealogy. It's the genealogy of a home, I guess. It is. It is. The genealogy of a house. I did that when we moved, first moved into our house in Pasadena. And I found out that our house was built by um, a man who sold real estate. But on the side, he was an actor at the Pasadena Playhouse. Oh, fun. And his home, our home, was built by an architect who worked, you know, in his group. And the uh, we have a mural over the fireplace, of kind of painted on the wall. And it was painted by the man who did the the side curtains at the Pasadena Playhouse. So there's all this interwoven history. history. Yeah, it's just it's fun to find out. Yeah. Oh, well, great. Well, it's wonderful to have you here on the show. And again, tell us your blog website address so that we can find the family curator. Oh, do come visit me. I'm at www.thefamilycurator.com. And you'll find some technology-type article every Tuesday and hopefully even more in between. And as my mother is after me, I am writing more and more about my grandmother's finds and her treasures from her trunk. Yeah, I mean, that way, even if we haven't been fortunate enough to have one of those trunks delivered to our homes, we can live vicariously through your experience. (laughs) Because isn't that what we all wish for? What an amazing story. Denise, thank you so much for taking time out to join us here on the show today. Thank you very much, and it was lovely to meet you today, Lisa. Thank you. Shelly Talalay Dardashti has tracked her family history from Belarus, Russia, Lithuania, Spain, Iran, and elsewhere. A journalist, her articles on genealogy have been widely published. 
In addition to genealogy blogging, she speaks at Jewish and general genealogy conferences, co-founded and teaches online genealogy at genclass.com, is past president of the five-branch JFRA Israel, a Jewish genealogical association, a member of the American Jewish Press Association, and the Association of Professional Genealogists. Here's my conversation with her. I'm here with Shelley Talalay Dardashti. Oh, and she's smiling. I must have said it pretty you right. You said it right. You get a gold star. Welcome to the show, Shelly. You get a gold star. Thank you. Yay. Well, Shelly, you and I spent a fun evening last night, a loud evening, but a fun evening at the Genia Bloggers Dinner, and that's because you are a Genia Blogger. Tell our audience the name of your blog. My blog is Tracing the Tribe, the Jewish Genealogy Blog, and it will be three years old in August. Three years already. Oh, my gosh. Give the website address. TracingTheTribe.blogspot.com Great. Three years ago, blogging was still very new, and there were very few people doing it. It's grown a lot, which is wonderful, but your audience has grown. What prompted you to start Well, so early on? It was very interesting because I, it was not on my horizon. I was writing, I'm a journalist, I write on genealogy, I, I am a researcher, but I had never thought of blogging. Uh, the Jewish Telegraphic Agency, which is uh, JTA.org, is a century-old Jewish international Jewish news agency. And they had just gotten a brand new digital media editor who decided we're in the 21st century now. And he called me up and he said, we want to start doing blogs. And we want to do a first blog, and we want you to do the first one, and we want, to, we want to do it on Jewish genealogy. And my answer to him was, you know I'm older than 20, because at that time, <laughs> all bloggers were like, you know, 14, or, you know, 20 was the upper limit. He said, yes, but the 20-year-olds don't know anything about genealogy. And that's how I got into it, and he promised me he would hold my hand through the process. And we did, and it worked out very well, and then they... They decided to reorganize and cancel all their blogs, but I kept it going because by then I was hooked. I was hooked after four or five days. Yeah, I've heard so many bloggers say, oh, I, I got so addicted, I'm hooked, it'll never go away. What is it about blogging that hooks you? Well, coming from a journalism background and from a genealogy background and from a Jewish genealogy background, there is, in my particular niche, in my demographic, there is so much new information every day, new databases, new record groups that have been found, new studies, new ways of sharing this information. And it's hard to find all of this information in one place. Obviously, uh, people that are involved in Jewish genealogy can and do use JewishGen.org with its wealth of information there. But And there are, there are discussion groups. There's a general one and one for specific subjects. But even that is delayed, and there are constraints as to what you can put on. And a discussion board is not a blog where you can put photos and have interactive links. And the the reason they asked me to do it, obviously, was because there's so much information. And how do we let people know about all this information? And so I do books. I do films. I do new databases. I do new sources or online information, events. 
international and domestic, uh, Jewish genealogy meetings, conferences, fil Jewish film festivals, anything that can be attached to Jewish genealogy, which covers the complete multidisciplinary field. It goes from history to anthropology to sociology, even to food and science, and all of these things that are happening all around the world. So this hooked me in four days, and I, I think the thing that really hooked me the most was that when you deal with print journalism, if there's a mistake or an error, you can't fix it until the next issue, yes. but online, you just go in and change it, and it's fixed. So that was, that, was, that was a great advantage. It was really then the delivery system, and it was its real time, and yeah. you can edit yourself if you need to. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes I wish I had an editor. There, there's, it's always good to have an extra pair of eyes looking over your stuff. But I have a couple of what I call my eagle eyes, and if something's wrong or a link is broken, they will say, would you, you need to check that? Or is that, real, is that really the word you meant to use? And I went, oh. Um, so they do let me know. And it's, it's very good because... We all know in print journalism that you can have six eyes looking at something, and it will still come out with a misspelling on the front cover. Yeah. But because that makes you uh, real. I think people kind of appreciate that, actually, on the Internet. Don't you think that they, they go, wow, this is just a, you know, this is a real person talking real time to me? I think that's a very important part of it. I think the most important part of it is just getting the information real fast, yeah. quick, up front, and there. And, and sometimes I do post. I post five or six times a day. It's not just like one a week or, you know, two a week. And, and I have to decide every day. It's kind of a winnowing process. What's going to go up today? What's the most important thing now? What do I want at the top? And what I've tried to do recently is do my five posts generally. Sometimes it's ten wow. posts. Um, and post those at seven o'clock in the morning, my, in Israel time, which is midnight in the States, give or take a few hours. And um, so at least there's five. When they wake up in the morning, they have five new things to look at. Do you post them all at once, or do you schedule them so that they will stagger yeah, a bit? I do, for, I do five all at once, because when people um, subscribe by email alert or by even the RSS, some of them are set up where they show the most recent five posts. All top is set up so it only shows the most recent three which I think is silly because there's so many of us that do so much more than three posts a day. Um, and then I use a headline animator, which a lot of the Jewish genealogical societies are using on their websites, and that shows the most recent five posts. So it's a great kind of thing because everybody that goes to their website can see the new stories that are up that day. One thing that I've been using is... I schedule in advance. So if I have a lot of interesting things, and you can do that with Blogger. So if I have something that I, it's not yet time for it, but I know if I don't do something about it, I'll forget to post it altogether. Um, so I can schedule it to go up at the proper time. Now, if you're writing, let's say, five blog posts a day, how much time are you devoting to blogging every day? Too, too, too much. <laughs> And I do a lot of other things also. So it, it can, literally, it can take it take over your life. I remember when I first started and they announced the blog, I got an email from George Morgan, and he said, Shelley, be very careful that this doesn't take over your life. And I said, you're too late. <laughs> that was four days ago. <laughs> that, yeah, that was, yeah, <laughs> the first day, the first day. But I'm amazed that 
I'm I'm absolutely a non-techie. Anybody that knows me knows, you know, what what end of the pencil do you put in the pencil sharpener? Oh, I don't know. I saw you navigating that little laptop in the Blogger Summit. I have learned. And the things that I know now, I didn't think I would ever know. I was afraid to push buttons. I was afraid to change things. And now I go, I tell other people, you know. Well, necessity is the mother of invention, is it not? <laughs> Absolutely. And when we reorganized with the blog, and it wasn't on JTA anymore, I wasn't getting the tech support from the people who, who were the experts. And things had fallen off, and there was no readership, and the, things weren't right, you know? And I literally had to go in there and learn how to do everything myself. Yeah. But, you know, at least when you, when you do it that way, and you learn it yourself, then you end up remembering it, and you can That's learn true. and solve the next problem, right? That's true. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what's coming up next for you down the road? I mean, you are absolutely established in your blog. Uh, you're committed to it. You have a wonderful following. Should be committed, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I should be committed, yes. Well, what's, what's in the next five years for Shelly and, and her blog and everything else that you're involved in? That's a very interesting question. As far as events go, we ha- every year, of course, we have the International Jewish Genealogy Conference. This year it's in Philadelphia from August 2nd through 7th. Next year it's going to be in mid-July here in Los Angeles. In 2011 it's in Washington, D.C. 2012 may be in Paris. 2014 it will be in Jerusalem. It's in, Jeru- it's in Israel every 10 years. And we'll say so far 2013 doesn't have a taker, but it'll, that'll be something. And this is an amazing conference because it is a six-day conference. And you and I both know what these three days have done. <laughs> Can you imagine a six-day conference? And people get in Saturday night, and they, stay, they come in earlier to do research in that city and stay a few days later also. But the conference itself, starting off with breakfast, runs through 10, 11 o'clock at night. Well, you know, it's like if you're going to make that journey and, and invest that time and energy and money, you want to get the most out of it. And they really do make the most out of it, don't they? Yes, and, and I think that's another reason, too, because so many, so many of us that go to the conference come from really far yeah. off. And it's, it's not just people from North America, it's South America, it's Europe, it's Israel, Russia. We have this year for the first time, we have one of the archivists from Romania coming, which is a coup. It's a major coup because it's hard to get information out of Romania. Personally, I'm not a Romanian researcher, but I know a lot of people that are just dying for information and they they can't get it. So this is a major coup to have a Romanian archivist at the conference. Well, certainly if people are looking for Jewish genealogy, news, information, uh, the place to get information is at tracingthetribe.com because Shelley is delivering all kinds of... Oh, is it tracingthetribe.blogspot.com? I do have the domain. And actually, I think if you go to tracingthetribe.com, I think it does switch over to the blog. And I've been meaning... It says the non-techie. <laughs> it says the non-techie. I'm, I'm sure if you go to tracingthetribe.com, it will go over to the blog. But I haven't yet done that transfer. I, there's other things I have to do to transfer that. But I haven't done that yet. That's a, that will be a next step. That will be a next Well, step. and also they can read you in Family Tree Magazine. I know that you've got articles there. That... It was very interesting when I was asked. They called me out of the blue and said, would you do a Jewish research story? And I said, I think I could do that. What was most exciting about that was that I finally had a chance to discuss the other side of Jewish genealogy. Everybody knows Eastern Europe genealogy. 
but we have an entire world out there of Sephardic genealogy. No one knows about it. The languages are different. The countries are different. The kinds of documents are different. The age of the documents is very different. You can go to the Spanish archives and find Jewish documents, first and last names, going back to the 10th century. Well, I may start following your blog because I just discovered that some of my East Prussian Sparowskis, who were always German Lutherans, I'm sure, I'm sure it's all Jewish heritage because the only Sparowskis I've ever found are Jewish. It's not a town name. Well, I found a Sparovo in Belarus, and that's where some of the Sparowskis appear to come from, and there are so few of them. So I heard that Ski meant sometimes the village of, is that right? Yes. The best thing to do if you have a male male Sparowski, go test a family tree DNA. And the reason I say family tree DNA is because they have the largest database of all the companies combined, and within that... They have the largest comparative Jewish database. So anybody that is interested in looking for Jewish ancestry and is going the DNA route, the only company to test with is Family Tree DNA. Because if you test with a company that has no Jewish samples, you're not going to get any hits. There's no genetic matches. But Family Tree DNA basically has reached critical mass. So this happens all the time. People test with other companies, get nothing, go to him, and they get 20 And those are the kind of tips, those are the kinds of things that you may not know unless you're reading Tracing the Tribe. Shelly, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your expertise. And I will have links to your blog in the show notes. And uh, expect to see you at the next conference. Absolutely. I love, this is my third year here. And they do a fantastic job. The team is fantastic. And people say, why is it so nice? And I said, because all of their volunteers from, I mean, Paula and Leo down, everybody's always smiling. And there's never a problem. Whatever you need to have done, we will take care of it. And they're smiling, and they're happy, and you go, wow, I can't wait to come back here. And they've done a fantastic job. Their their marketing and their organization, Mm -hmm. and it's it's, it's a very, very pleasant experience. And it's nice to see old friends. It sure is, and that's good praise on the third day of a conference. <laughs> yes, they deserve it. Yes. They Thank you so it. much. You're very welcome. You know, I love bringing these genealogical gems to you that help boost your research and build a strong family tree. And it's important to me to always have free podcasts available so that everyone can participate. If you enjoy these free shows and you would like to help me cover the costs of bringing them to you each week, there's a really easy way to do that that won't cost you a thing. By coming to my website at genealogygems.tv whenever you need to do some shopping online and accessing your favorite stores and websites through the links that you find on my site, you financially support the show. The price you pay is exactly the same, but Genealogy Gems receives a small percentage for referring you. It's just that simple. Amazon is one of my all-time favorite places to shop online. They have just about everything and at incredibly competitive prices. So next time you're looking for books, DVDs, software, electronics, apparel, pretty much anything at all, head to genealogygems.tv and click the Amazon ad that you find on the homepage or throughout the website. And these free podcasts will benefit by any shopping that you do and you will get the same super low prices. Everybody wins. 
So if you enjoy the Genealogy Gems podcast and the Family History Genealogy Made Easy podcast, let your mouse do the shopping through the ads and links on the Genealogy Gems website, and together we'll keep new episodes coming for a long time to come. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. You'll find the show notes for this episode, which include all the links I've talked about at my website, genealogygems.com. And there you'll also discover a lot more tips and tools for finding your family history in my podcasts, the blog posts, books, and videos. Become a Genealogy Gems premium member, and you're also going to get access to exclusive content like my full-length video classes and the premium podcast episodes. We have a new one of those coming out every month. Now, if you have any questions about this episode, or if you'd like to share your experiences on how the podcast has impacted your own family history journey, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at genealogygemspodcast at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 925-272-4021 and we might just play it here on the show. Thanks so much for listening, friend. I'll talk to you soon.